Hello. Today is a sad day. We've lost an incredibly great mind early this morning slash late last night, depending upon what part of the world you're in. The great Stephen Hawking has died at age 76. It's quite sad. But, on another note, I finally made a theme song! I really don't like the sound of my voice, but however, the rest of that is pretty damn cool, in my opinion. My very humble opinion. Funny thing about that is that it's actually some, it's the riff to that is actually a very old riff of mine that was kind of unused from the Black Powder time. From, oh geez, I'd made two kind of demo-ish albums. A long, long time ago before Black Powder was ever, like, really a band. And it was all these, like, song ideas and it was just a bunch of riffs together. And uh, that one was the main song from the second album called Power of Powder. And you, you can kind of hear it if you go back to that second riff is kind of the Power of Powder part of it. And it goes along with it. But uh, I'd actually wrote those lyrics down somewhere. I think I can still find them. But that's unimportant, because I got to use arguably one of my favorite riffs to play from my from that period of time. It was, it was a lot of fun, and it was very fun recording that. And that little section of time <laughs> took me an hour to get right. Um, again, not necessarily on the, the guitar part. That was quite worked out, and the bass was pretty worked out. But, uh, you know, the... I'm no drummer, so that was a fake drummer. And getting the drummer right, leveling out the sounds to the way I want to, and even even then, it's like I still don't. I still think the guitar could be brighter. You know, it's a little too muddy for my likes. But you know, that particular guitar tuning is a very muddy sound, and I played it on my Strat because that's the one set to that tuning instead of my Les Paul. And my Les Paul would have been much brighter and much more powerful. But it's tuned to a standard tuning, and that's not what that riff is made in. So you get my strat, and it's you know muddier sound because, of, and the muddy sound mostly comes from the tuning, the dropped tuning. But anyway, on to the topics. Stephen Hawking. I remember uh, whenever I started seeing the headlines, it was right after um, what I would tell my children is mommy daddy time. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, so right after that, like I, um, I was wearing my Apple Watch and I got the notification, and it was um, BuzzFeed News was the first one I seen reported that uh, Stephen Hawking had died, and I was like, oh, well that's not good. And anyway, so you know when you first see a headline, it's kind of like, well, it's a reputable news source. It wouldn't have been pushed to me, you know, if it were fake or anything like that, you know, even though I've seen some fake ones. But not very many. It's like, okay, especially the ones where people die. That's that's usually not fake, the ones that I get. So, 
there was that one. It's like, all right, well, we'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see. Because usually when a high-profile death like that happens, it, everybody reports it. And then about maybe a minute later, Washington Post reported it. And then uh, my local news reported it. And um, then CNN just all started filing in. It's all over Facebook this morning. And, you know, that's that's where that stands. And, you know, Stephen Hawking was a brilliant physicist. Had a great ideal, had a great grasp on the concepts of time and space. And, um, and just quantum mechanics, quantum physics in general. So... There was a little series <coughs> on TV that he did, like, Through Space or something like that. I don't, I don't remember the title of it. But in one of his episodes, he was talking about the concept of time travel. And in it, he theorized that time travel was possible, but only in one direction. With the direction being forward. It's possible to move forward in time... By slowing down your own personal time, like your your biological time gets artificially slowed down by you yourself going really fast. Now, I know I'm not as good as an explainer as Professor Hawking was, but the idea was is that you could theoretically make a train that its tracks were like would go around the world and if this train went at the speed of light time inside the cabin would slow down as comparison to time outside of the the cabin so in whereas one minute of time in the cabin might be the equivalent of 10 minutes outside of the cabin and by this exponential change you would be able to travel in time. You know, when you just sit there and travel on this train for a long period of time, time accelerates outside faster than it's accelerating in, or faster than it's going inside. So by the time you get out of the train, you might have rode in the train for a day, but in all realism, it's a month later or a year later. Like, I'm no mathematician, but that's, that's the idea of it. But you could never go back in time because reversing the events, reversing biological events, stuff like that, cannot happen, because in order for that to happen, without just parallel universing, jumping time that way, if you were to stay within linear time, what we conceive as linear time, what you'd have to do is, you would ha you can't put your body back, back into time, so you'd have to make time like reverse around you, which is in the physical impossible range. And uh, anyway, so that's just funny or cool. And they proved it too that you can kind of do this version of time travel with something like the Large Hadron Collider or a particle accelerator. Whereas they found, you know, there's this particle that has the lifespan of a day. And they threw it in this particle accelerator, and it lived for two days. So, you know, that, that theory of time travel is possible. But I don't think it's necessarily one that I want to do. Because if I wanted to do time travel, 
technically what I would want to do is move the events of my life forward a little bit, a la Click, the movie. I would just want to just kind of fast forward through these slightly more boring, uneventful times in my life, the times where I'm just kind of waiting, because, you know, it's March right now, and in August, I return to school for, uh, I plan to be a teacher. And so, after I just got through telling you that I was horrible at explaining things, um, but, you know, that's, that's what I want to do to make my difference in the world. And, um, but from March to August, it's going to kind of suck because I just got to sit here and basically twiddle my thumbs to finally go on with my future. And um, that that's the part I'd want to fast forward through time. But of course, I still have to be active within my family and active within what I actually do. I can't just disappear from it. So that's where you run into that dilemma as well. But enough about physics and time travel. That that's not what explosive talk is primarily about. Although you know, it's it's a very interesting topic, and time travel always will be an interesting topic. But a a lot of times when you refer to time travel, like in the sci science fiction version of it, time travel in sci-fi is bidirectional. You can go both forward and backwards in time. But you know that, and that's where you get a lot of the the moral quandrums from it. Is you'd be able to go into the future. No, the future's not the difference. You'd be able to go into the past with knowledge of what happens in the future, and you go back in the past far enough to where like these ideals were starting to be created. And you basically take the credit, or the you're your own grandpa type thing. You know, th those quandrums exist because in those versions of time travel, time is able to be traveled bidirectionally. Of course, if you're only able to move forward in time, you the only advantage you would have in a future would simply be being a relic of the past like if I traveled into the future 50 years from now I'd be able to talk about the events from now but I would have no knowledge as to the next steps to you know the in-between steps between now and 50 years from now I wouldn't know that history any technological advances I wouldn't have been around to see happen so um, the technological advances would be over my head at that point, and I'd have to relearn a lot versus the gradualism that would happen if I just lived life normally. And you don't get the advantages of knowing the future because the future is still happening. And there is no economic or political advantage to knowing the past, not one that you could have over someone who bothers to read history. And on that note, I'll go on to um, admitting flaws, more or less. It turns out that I was wrong again yesterday. Yesterday, I gave an opinion on that uh, there was a rumor that uh, 
President Trump wanted Tom Cotton to be the new CIA chief to replace Pompeo, who was going to replace Tillerson. And that was rumor mills from last year. And um, so, you know, things can obviously change, but Tillerson was fired, just like the rumor mill. Pompeo became Secretary of State, just like the rumor mill. So I was going to go, okay, well, two out of three is right, so I'm go for three out of three. And, no, we're not going to go with three out of three. Instead, we apparently get this torture lady that's going to be the new CIA chief. Now, is that shocking? No, it's really not. The CIA is a terrible organization as it is to begin with. And, you know, Mike Pompeo himself was a torture king, so it only makes sense that his replacement would be a torture queen. And, of course, with it being a woman, you've got people coming out of the woodworks going... Hey, liberals, why do you not like this pick? Uh, it's the first woman CIA chief, in which they're technically correct. Even President Trump himself tweeted this. Hey, this is the first woman CIA chief. Liberals, aren't you proud? First woman? Hey, hey, hey. It's like, yeah, sure. So the Hillary Clinton voters would totally be fine with this if Hillary Clinton were the one promoting her. But progressives can see through that bullshit. And we say, gender doesn't matter in this case. What does matter is, are they the right person for the job? Are they, are they, um, you know, it, it didn't matter if the president was Democrat or Republican. Progressives should still be against this new CIA chief nomination because of the record. Just like progressives were against Hillary Clinton, for the record, not because she was a woman. Because, you know, progressives, who are real progressives, voted for Jill Stein, a woman, with the right record. Okay? So, it's not just about whether or not someone has a vagina or a penis. I mean, it's just not. It's about what does this person stand for and what have they done in the past. And that's that should be the stance to judge the character of someone for a position, a position of power like this. And, you know, but it's whatever. It's a Republican president. Do you expect anything else? No, I don't. Senate's going to approve it. It's just, it'll just be curious to know how many Democrats vote to approve the torture queen. That's, that's the number I want to see. And, you know, at least the people I watch, the Jimmy Doors and Kyle Kalinske and those people who are the true progressives, they, they'll report who votes for this lady or not. I can never remember her name. I don't know why. It's got six letters in the last name. That's about the best I can recall. But, you know, I don't deem it as important because no matter what, it's going to be the same type of person no matter no matter what from Trump. And the Senate's going to vote for her not for her confirmation. It's just a matter of how many Democrats are going to vote for the torture queen. I mean, 
Senate voted 98-2 to expand the military budget by $80 billion. So I'm sure she'll get plenty of bipartisan support. Now on to Tillerson again. Um, it started floating around, you know, the news streams, the lefty news streams, that Rex Tillerson was fired because of his comments against Russia, which actually goes to another topic I wanted to talk about. So, it turns out that there was a, we, we all probably know this by now, but there was a um, an ex-Russian spy living in the UK who was recently poisoned by an ostensibly Russian nerve gas. This nerve gas was a gas that was only attainable in Russia. So it does stand a reason that the ex-Russian spy was killed by a Russian one way or another. Okay. And so, that being said... Um... Theresa May came out and said that it was the Russians who did it. Which, of course, you know, that's an accusation with ostensibly circumstantial evidence. It's strong circumstantial evidence, but it's not concrete evidence. You know, the fact that it's a Russian nerve gas was enough for them to say the Russians did it. Now, the evidence produced to the public so far that I've seen, so I'm, a bit, I'm usually a day behind on my news, but the, the evidence I've seen so far was just, it's a nerve gas from Russia, and he was an ex-Russian spy, and, and that's about what I've seen. And that being said, that's not really enough, in my opinion to say that the Russian government was, in fact, the ones who ordered it. Now, I have been wrong in the past. I could be wrong now. But all I'm saying right now is that the evidence that I see doesn't support the accusations being made by Theresa May. Now, that being said... Secretary, ex-Secretary Tillerson, Secretary Oil, come out and said that it seems pretty clear that Russia ordered the attack and Russia did it. Russia killed this man living in the UK. And then that is around the time that Trump fired Tillerson. Now... The lefty media that is under the impression that Donald Trump is owned by Russian oligarchs, therefore do, doing his bidding, doing their bidding, um, they see that in that series of events and go, well, Tillerson spoke out against Russia, so Trump fired him because Russia said so. Okay, I'm going to point out that that too is speculation. And that's even more speculation than Theresa May's speculation. Alright. So. When. Um, so when people like Cenk Yergo. See I told you. 
Rex Tillerson got fired five days after I said he's going to get fired. Well, yeah, but the rumor mills existed for months. So, you know. But Jank Uger does acknowledge that. The Exxon, and they he mentions the Exxon deal fell through. The, you know, Exxon had a deal to with Russia to produce and export oil. And so... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's getting around that time of day. I like a nap. Um... But, uh, so, the Exxon-Russia deal did not go through, so Secretary Oil had no use being Secretary Oil anymore. So, you know, which proves a point of mind from earlier that it looked like Tillerson was trying to do an actual good job of being Secretary of State. Apparently, Trump and Tillerson had a difference on the Iran deal, Apparently Tillerson likes diplomacy and peace, and uh, with everybody, and well, I say with everybody. Didn't he also say we were staying in Syria indefinitely? I mean, you know, there's so much going on here. But Tillerson wanted to honor the Iran nuclear deal. Trump does not. So there's a potential difference that Trump could have fired him for. Now. Jank Uger does acknowledge this, but he dismisses it just as quickly as he acknowledges it because it doesn't fit his narrative. His narrative is always Russia did it. And so Jank Uger always looks at it through that lens and even shows a clip of Donald Trump discussing Tillerson, discussing Russia's, quote, involvement with uh, the assassination of the ex-Russian spy. And Trump says, look, the evidence um, suggests that Russia did it. What well, time out. Trump just admitted the same thing I just admitted. He says that evidence looks like Russia did it. And then Trump goes on to say that we're going to not accuse here, and we're going to wait to see what the evidence comes out as, but we stand with our allies in Great Britain. That doesn't sound like shrugging it off to me. That sounds more like, hey, the evidence so far looks like Russia did it, but before we say Russia did it, we're going to wait till there's more evidence. That's a reasonable position. Not the position that Britain ended up taking. No. Turns out, Britain went with the idea that it was going to be great and awesome to expel 23 Russian diplomats from, from the country. Apparently, also, they're decreasing their participation in the World Soccer Cup or something. But anyway, I just read that kind of in passing along with the main headline is that the UK is now going out of their way to further escalate with Russia over what has ended up being nothing more than circumstantial evidence and accusations. So Britain just takes the next step anyway and goes, all right, Russia did it, Russia clearly did it, so now we're going to escalate war with them. We're going to start cutting diplomatic measures. Further escalating with Russia. So now, Theresa May 
has done this, now the lefty media is going to look at Trump and go, your turn. Do what she just did, or you're a Putin puppet. And, you know, so... I don't know what Trump's going to do, because he's a thin-skinned buffoon, and he probably will just... He's probably going to escalate. It'll take time, but there's going to be forces in the Congress that are going to force him to escalate. So now we got the UK and the US. Big asterisk by the US. But you definitely have the UK escalating with Russia. And, you know, what's Russia supposed to do in a case like this? Sit there and take it? No, you, you, it's going to be fire with fire. Tit for tat. So I'm afraid what's going to happen now is that there's a chance that the UK and Russia end up, do, end up doing what we thought the US and Russia was going to do, especially if, if Hillary Clinton got elected. And of course, Theresa May is basically British Hillary Clinton anyway. So, you know, it's just... If UK and Russia goes to war, obviously the US is going to enter such a war, and the US and UK are basically NATO, so the rest of NATO will follow suit, and now you have World War III. So there we go again, escalating up to World War III. We say, no, 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 you know, people are, people that want it are going, no, 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 it's not World War Three. that's, that's too much, that's going too far, it can't be World War Three. we're just pissing off Russia, because they're pissing us off. Well, okay, history, guys, history, those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it, and so... Tomorrow, I'm going to start with my history segments, and we got to relearn McCarthyism, and we got to relearn World War One, because the start of World War One, think, this was called the War to End All Wars, where we saw trench warfare, the beginnings of machine guns, the beginnings of tanks, there was mustard gas, all kinds of horrific new war things, and it was called the War to End All Wars, it all started from a simple assassination. Like, I think it was, I remember the guy's name that was assassinated. It was Archduke Franz Ferdinand. I can't remember exactly what country he's from, from but it was something like Serbia or something like that. It was like two little tiny Eastern European countries. So they went to war with each other. Two tiny little European, European countries. We went to war with each other, and due to a system of alliances, the rest of Europe just immediately piled in through a convoluted system of alliances, and the next thing you know, you had the Central Powers versus the Allied Powers in World War One, the war to end all wars. And of course, World War Two followed like 20 years after that. 30. It followed 30. Ah, it depends on when you view it. We'll say 20. Yeah. Not counting dates. Plus, I'm really tired. So, it was 20. About 20 years later, the war to end all wars was followed by another war of the same caliber. Except it started a little differently. 
But remember, World War One started with an uneventful, unimportant assassination from two rather unimportant countries in Eastern Europe. And it escalated to the war to end all wars. So, whenever you say, we're going to sanction Russia, or we want Trump to get aggressive with Russia, whenever you get aggressive with Russia, expect them to retaliate, because that's what countries do. If you are aggressive against one country, that country will be aggressive towards you. And if you got a big enough scale and team split down the middle, even if it's not quite the middle, but you got teams getting split into it that are already kind of fighting each other as it is in otherwise proxy wars, and you finally escalate it to the big fight that's gearing up to happen. You're what do you expect to be different? I, as a student of history, expect nothing to be different. Because history repeats itself. Now, of course, my old high school history teacher would disagree and go, well, it doesn't repeat itself, but it does have similarities. In which case, I think he's taking the quote a little too literally. I mean, yes, obviously, Adolf Hitler isn't going to come back into power in Germany again and form the Nazi party again and all. I'm I'm 100% sure that's not going to happen. But the similarities are so similar that it it can be different players playing the same story. Uh, possibly over a different timeline. You know, instead of escalating in a few months, it can escalate over a few years. But your if outcome is the same. Now, speaking of same outcomes, um, you if you're into politics at all and you voted or you've done something where you give somebody out your email address, you eventually get that side's email. You eventually get on that your side's email list, and my side is clearly you know the progressive, the left leaning side. So naturally, the DNC has my email address. And I get the most annoying emails from them of all time. Like, you can tell the differences in ideologies just based on their emails. It's like, yeah, sure, these are all, quote, left-wing groups. But, sorry. <sighs> emails that come from the DMs, DNC have a very distinctive flavor to them. And that flavor is shit. Okay, so groups like Our Revolution and, and you know, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, anybody who's a progressive, you get an email from them, there might be a few graphics on there, but there's not much. And most of it is substance. Dear Ryan, here's this issue, blah, 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 blah. And they explain the issue and they use words and the words are formatted in a logical way, and it, it just, it's readable. A DNC email will have big, useless capital letters or capital phrases, and they, they would just be so just disgusting. Like, I wonder if I can find me an example. I'm going to look for an example. Okay, 
So there, there is definitely plenty. Oh, hey, there's an email from Senator Tom Cotton on their March update. I'll, I'll read that in a little bit. But right now, what we're going to look for is simply okay. So here, here's one that is definitely a, a DNC library. All right. <laughs> These are so gross. Okay, so the the the, um, the subject is now. I'm going to yell the, or at least distort yell the um, capitalized parts because that's what capitalized letters in writing mean. Is it means emphasize? But if you're in text message lingo, emphasize is the equivalent of yell alright except for like the NRA's in this one so if it if it's NRA I'll read it right defeat the gun lobby the next line defeat the NRA panel Ryan can you represent Arkansas and then of course it immediately gets the disclosure in Citizens United is a political action community dedicated to electing Democrats blah 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 click here if you'd like to unscribe which I have see that it doesn't matter Okay, so this next line is, okay, so now it's in a box, in like this clicky, clickbait ad box. First line is highlighted. Breaking poll! Majority of Americans support gun reform. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is literally how that's written. Bold. Now is the time for new common sense gun safety laws. Not bold. The Senate is introducing a bill to raise the minimum age for purchasing rifles. But the NRA is speaking out against it. Survey alert! We need your input to defeat the NRA before their spineless Republicans block reform. Click, click thing. Defeat the NRA now! Okay, now we're out of the box. Ryan, we are done with the senseless loss of life from gun violence. And Americans are ready for change. Writing in red and bold. In fact, 90% of Americans support universal background checks for gun purchases. Regular writing. There's not much time to act before the NRA takes action. Will you take our urgent defeat the NRA survey right now? Okay. A new box. Defeat the NRA survey! Ron Adams, participant ID numbers. Urgency. Red letters. Hi! Defeat the NRA now is in a click button. This is an official in the Citizens United survey. Bold. Its purpose is to get member feedback on defeating the NRA and the spineless Republicans. Out of the box. Defeating the corrupt influence of the gun lobby won't be easy, so we need a 100% response rate from Arkansas. Highlighted. Right now, the gun lobby is hard at work to manipulate their Republican rubber stamps to block common sense gun reform. That's a true statement. Not high, regular text. We know you're a busy person, but we ask that you complete the survey before... Brackets, bold, MIDNIGHT! Click button. Defeat the unit right now! That's a typical DNC type email. For those who get those, know exactly what they are. But for those who don't, there you go. That's an example. Now, I've been getting... Okay, so... Alright, so now I'll find one 
from a progressive that is asking for money. Alright. From Representative Ro Connor. Yeah, the headline. Need your help, Brian. Okay, then it has a graphic real common, Democrat for Congress. The body of it in all regular text. Ryan, our first, our first public filing deadline of 2018 is coming up in the next couple of weeks. Already, five opponents have filed to run against us this, in this year's election. If we want to win the primary in June, we need to hit bold. All, not caps though, bold. All, not bold, of our online fundraising goals. I am one of only seven members of Congress not to accept any donation from PACs, and one of even fewer to not accept a dime from lobbyists. That's how you know I'm only representing your views in Congress, not the views of powerful special interests. Practically, it means I need to raise a lot of money, a lot more money from my campaign. Crap, I got that wrong. It means I need to raise a lot more of my campaign money from online from emails like this one. Okay, and then this last paragraph is bold. Our deadline is coming up, and we need to raise a little less than $8,500 in the next several days to meet our goal. Can you contribute? You can give here. And it has contribution buttons. I'm so grateful for your support thus far. It means the world to me, Rokana. That is a good email. If I wasn't a broke piece of shit living in Arkansas, I'd contribute to that. I would. And uh, if there was definitely more money to go around, I'd, I'd totally do that. That'd, that'd be awesome. Rokan is an awesome... He, he's got an awesome record, has awesome stances. I don't have anything against Rokana. And that email is logical, to the point, tells the story I need to, without doing this condescending, weird, and awkward yelling at me. So that's from a progressive. Now... Over the past few weeks, I've been getting emails pretty much representing this Connor Lamb character. I didn't even know who he was. Didn't even bother me at all because it really reminds me of John Ossoff. If we go back to the time of John Ossoff, around the time of his special election, there was a lot of emails that I got that were obvious DNC emails in the same format as the one I described to you. And it was all about John Ossoff. Help rage for John Ossoff. Help elect John Ossoff. Oh no, John Ossoff's been defeated. Oh no, John Ossoff's been defeated. This would be like on a daily, this would be different days. It'd just be, John Ossoff's been defeated. Oh no. It's like you could literally make fun of these emails so easily. They make fun of themselves. And so, John Ossoff lost. Oh no, help before it's too late. What? You already said he lost. Dumbasses. Alright. So then I start getting these emails about a month ago or so about this Connor Lamb character. I have no idea who he is. Last time I looked into John Ossoff with those formatted emails, I quickly found out this guy's a centrist corporatist who stands for nothing. That's what John Ossoff is. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the DNC is pushing this guy. And I'm not going to give money to that. I went and I looked. And sure enough, he stood for nothing. He stood for nothing. And therefore, he didn't win. Because he stood for nothing. He didn't get any of my money. And he's never going to get any of my money. 
He's got plenty of corporate money, and you can tell by the positions he takes. Alright. So. I was getting these obvious DNC emails for this Connor Lamb character, and the same thing was happening. Oh, no! It's like, we need help getting money for Connor Lamb! Oh, no! And then, like, starting like last week, it's like, Connor Lamb lost! Oh, no! Help before it's too late! Next day, Connor Lamb lost! Seriously, help before it's too late! I wish I had these on. <laughs> if, I, if I knew I was doing this segment, I would totally have kept these. Oh, no! Connor Lamb lost! Help! The election's tomorrow! What? Connor Lamb lost. The election's tomorrow. Please give us money. <laughs> Fuck you. You ain't getting my money. No. It's like the people I like don't even get my money, let alone the people I don't like. This is clearly someone I'm not going to like because I can see who's pushing them. And since that particular type of person's pushing them, of course, the, these emails also aren't giving you any real information that you want to hear. I mean, not even Rokana's did. Rokana's just like, look, I don't take corporate PAC money, so I gotta raise a bunch of my money for people like you, and this is how much we need, and stuff like that. But I get other emails from Rokana and other progressives that actually give policy ideals and backstory to them and all kinds of good stuff. So anyway, I, well, luckily... Right before, right after I wrote down this I'm tired of these emails topic down to do on today's show, I um, I very quickly discovered that, oh, hey, apparently his race was yesterday. All right. <laughs> so uh, I see it on Good Morning America today after dropping my kids, the usual day work. And no, 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 this was before I took my kids to school because their important news happens in the first, like, 15 minutes. And so, it, all the signs of corporate Democrat are there. The DNC emails, the fact that news is actually going to cover it. So, it's, it's showing me the results that from the live results from last night. And it's like, oh, Connor Lamb's got 45.5, or no, 49.5, and I can't remember the other guy's name, Sacone or something like that. He got 45.3. Oh no, it's too close to call. And then, of course, Carl Elm claims a victory anyway. It's like, I won. <laughs> and GMA showed like a little type interview after it's like, you know, around that time. And he's like, well, okay, well, the the results are in so far. And, and do you, you know, it's too close to call, but, but how do you feel? And he's like, and Carl Elm just goes, I won. And then turned around and just walked off. I won. Walk away. <laughs> Shows you what kind of person he is. And then, I think I got... No, no, it was a news notification that showed this little blip. So anyway, it said, like, Connor Lamb comes out ahead but race too close to call, or something like that, and the last part of the line mentioned that he was a former Marine. Why do we say the military inherently gets... Why is that a thing? Why do I care about that? That's what Tom Cotton used. Anyone who's been in the military is all like, I'm a veteran. Vote for me. I deserve to be in office. No. 
No, being a veteran does not make you any more special. Sorry to bust that little bubble, and if people make it this far, they're, they're, I'm, I'd, I'd get shit on for it. But, I mean, come on. Military. And being in the military, like it, I have a lot of respect for the people that do it. Okay, it's not something I've done and not something I'm ever going to do. But listen to me. Hear me out. Just because you were in the military does not mean you're more entitled to the government than a citizen. That's not the point in a democracy. Okay? That's a military dictatorship. We're not in a military dictatorship. At least not officially. Being someone who served in the military does not make your opinion of the government greater than those who have not served in the military. Okay? This is a citizen government. It's supposed to be. It's a, it's a democracy. It's a representative democracy, okay? We have representatives we vote for. Whether or not you're in the military does not mean you're more privileged citizen for the status of representative, okay? So stop pretending like it. Stop being like it. I don't care. Your military service is appreciated, but it does not weigh in on my political decisions. So stop forcing it down my throat, damn it. So, with all that said, I am going to do my first lookup of this Connor Lamb character. I'm going to look him up now. Connor Lamb. Can I get his website? I want his website to see what he stands for. At least Rolling Stone gets it right. Why do Democrats worry about? Okay, here it is. ConnorLamb.com. All right. ConnorLamb for Congress. Join our team. So, of course, the very first thing is membership thing. Okay, he looks like a young guy. You know, all right, cool. Definitely a millennial. All right. Then there's a contribute button. Okay, about Connor. Let's, let's see about Connor. I'm going to click here. Meet Connor Lamb, Pennsylvania's 18th district candidate. Very first thing, Connor Lamb is a Marine. Of course, that has to be first. A former federal prosecutor. Okay, so that means he goes after criminals. Okay. And the Democratic nominee for the March 13th special election in Pennsylvania's 18th congressional district. So we get Connor's. Connor's. Priorities include taking immediate action to fight the heroin crisis. Okay. What do you mean by that? We'll go on. Creating and protecting good jobs. Good is a point of view. Do you mean good paying? Or do you mean a type of jobs? Okay. Making health care more affordable. Okay. That does not mean Medicare for all. More affordable is never single payer. More affordable means we just want a cheaper system of, we just want a cheaper version of now. That's what we want. That's what the Affordable Health Care Act or the Affordable Care Act was all about. That's what Obamacare is all about. And of course, that's the same thing. I realize that, but other people are too stupid to figure that out. So I gotta say it. 
that that's that's the Obama line. We got to make health care more fair to, affordable. That's not a policy. Uh, next one, protecting Medicare and Social Security. Cool. Does that mean expanding it or keeping it whatever the Republicans say is all right? And reforming our broken student loan system. Are you referring to college for all? Reforming our broken student loan system. Reforming, in the case of a Democrat, usually means keeping. So keeping, or keeping the system, but making it better. So keeping our student loan system? Is that what I'm getting out of this? Okay, so but that's just the introduction. So he's got a little checklist on the right. Taking immediate action to fight the heroin crisis. Okay, so that's his number one priority. Taking immediate action to fight the heroin crisis. Okay, we hopefully we'll find out what he stands for. <laughs> Again, <laughs> these are ideals, not positions. These are broad ideals, not policy ideals. What action? But we'll, we'll look and figure that out. Jobs and infrastructure. No more stalling. Again, that's so vague. What do you mean by that? I guess we'll find out. Affordable health care. Usually that does not mean Medicare for all. Protecting Medicare and Social Security. Keeping it as it is, it's not enough as it is. So that's not going far enough. Releasing students from a lifetime of debt traps. Okay, I, I, I think I can get behind that one. We'll see what you mean. Unions. Okay, I say work co-ops. Modern energy development. What do you mean by that? Because that's used to describe fracking. Alright, let's try to actually get into... Oh, hey. What do you know? I'll have to actually try and go deeper to find them. Priorities. Leave it. Leaders should have priorities. Old saying that everything is important, nothing is. First priorities get things moving again. I'll work with anyone to protect our people and bring good jobs here. At Washington, strong conventions and an open mind. That means I will work with Republicans, which means I'll try and screw you over. And when I'm there, I'll never forget that the only people I work for are right here at home. My only bias is the one that biased the daughters of the Marines. Again, I'm a military veteran, therefore I'm more entitled. A bias for action. It's time that our leaders in Washington do the work we send them to do, not tomorrow, not next year, now. Okay, cool. Alright, now we might finally get into some policy. My priorities. Taking immediate action on the heroin crisis. Crisis is always first. Heroin is crazy, killing a crazy number of people. Federal prosecutor brought heroin dealers to justice. Oh, I don't like this already. For the victims, for the families who've lost loved ones, due to the disease of addiction, it's all firsthand, all prescription painkillers, whatever uses the cause. Okay, it's got that right. I also saw how our government has been too slow to take effective action in this crisis. Alright. The President's declaration that the heroin and opioid epidemic is a national health emergency is important. Okay, so. Yeah. Alright. It was also long overdue. We can't wait any longer. What politicians argue about funding for enforcement, treatment, and prevention. We need to leave partisan politics out of this. Take urgent, comprehensive action to save lives. Again, saying I'm not going to be partisan means I'm going to be bipartisan. It means I'm going to compromise. We need to invest in prevention. We need to expand access to treatment and rehabilitation. 
and we need to crack down on the people who are fueling and profiting from the crisis. There are drug dealers on the street, in doctor's offices, and in drug company boardrooms. We need to pass legislation that guarantees every one of them will face justice for the crimes. That's that's the extent of his thing here. At least in Bernie's website, you get like basically an essay on every one issue. This is three paragraphs of just storytelling. And then he gets to I, my my specifics are ideals. <laughs> we need to pass legislation that guarantees all drug dealers will face justice for their crimes. Opioids are legal. So you say drug company boardrooms, that is legal. So therefore they're not committing crimes. You have to make that a crime. Okay? And you crack down on the people who are fueling and profiting from this crisis. Which he just says is drug dealers. Okay. That's not really solving the problem, is it? That's just looking at it from a prosecutor's standpoint, which is, I want to send people to jail. Invest in prevention. Okay, by doing what? What's your idea? What is your idea? What do you stand for? What is your ideal? What do you mean by prevention? Okay, do you mean by not giving people pain medication that need it? Is that what you mean? Like, I had to go through... On my last underarm surgery, where there's like, sorry, we can't give you any pain, even though we just, even though we just cut your arm open and squeezed a bunch of shit out of you, you just have to deal with it with this weak ass over the counter shit. It's like, god damn it, really? I've got to be in pain and an absolute soreness because you're afraid I might get addicted to the opioid again. That's it's not a bad thing to think that, but. Come on. Hurting here. At least give me weed. I don't even like weed. I don't. Like, I'm not someone who gets addicted to that kind of feeling or something. It's just... Ugh. It's ridiculous. Is that what you mean by prevention? By just withholding? <sighs> Again... No policy details here, and this is what aggravates me about this type of person. Just storytelling, just let's feel good about things. I say nice things. I'm against bad things. Alright, so I got nothing out of that. Why would I give my money to somebody that doesn't do anything? Okay, his second priority, jobs and infrastructure. No more stalling. Infrastructure, okay, so... He defines infrastructure. We need a secure, reliable electric grid that cannot fail. Okay, Ed. All right. We need functioning water treatments systems that keep water runoff out of our streets and guarantee safe drinking water. Okay, does that mean you're going to fund the stuff in Flint and they're actually going to do it? Probably not because he's already said I represent Pennsylvania, not Flint. Politicians talk all the time, we've neglected our infrastructure, and every day we fail is a missed opportunity. Competition infrastructure will create good jobs here tomorrow, and unlike the massive corporate tax cut that just had a trillion deficit, infrastructure investments pay for themselves. Okay, he's right about that. People in our estuary ask me every day why infrastructure bill hasn't even been introduced, let alone passed. 
The answer is that politicians in Washington are listening to us and aren't keeping their promises, passing an infrastructure bill, a serious bill big enough to match the urgency of the situation, is economic and national security priority, and we'll fight every day to get it done. Okay, so Trump says the same thing, but says, I want to give our stuff to Goldman Sachs. Uh, does, does that mean anything? Are are you give me give me a number here? The numbers exist online for what we need. Why aren't you giving it to me in in your website? Okay, job training. We have to invest in our people. Politicians, both parties, like to talk about job training, but that talk hasn't lived up to the reality of too many students and workers in our region, and both parties bear the blame for that. Okay, you're right about that. We need a job training programs that lead to an actual job, not just a piece of paper. Okay, I see where he's going with this. Technical colleges, right? Again, I don't have any problem with that. Even those should be tuition free. Okay, companies and industry associations say there are thousands of jobs in a region that can't fill because workers don't have the right training and skills. But public schools and community colleges to help fill that gap, of course, we should do that. Huh? He's right. He's right about that. Okay, we're looking. We're here looking for policy specifics. I'll fight for those investments, but I'll also make those companies put some skin in the game. Workers successfully complete training programs paid for with our tax dollars. Employers need to hire those workers full-time, family-supporting jobs. I agree. This is generalized, though. and not This is better than generalized, but it's not as specific as I'm looking for. That's all he has on jobs and infrastructure. No more stalling. Affordable health care. Okay, this is one I really care about. God damn it. It's short, too. I believe that every American has the right to see a doctor when they're sick. That means every American has a right to health insurance they can afford. Those last three words are the operative there. It means every American has a right to health insurance they can afford. Meaning they still have to pay for it. It should have ended before those three words. It means every American has a right to health insurance. When you say they can afford, that means we're not going to provide. The Affordable Care Act has flaws, but it has provided affordable coverage to more than a million Pennsylvanians who were previously uninsured. I want to point something else out here. He said... The DNC emails are trying to get me and Arkansan to give to this guy. Who is clearly telling me he only cares about Pennsylvanians. Why the fuck, DNC, would I want to give my money to him just based on that alone? Let alone the fact that he stands for nothing. He doesn't stand for nothing. I'll, I'll give him that. In his, in his website, probably built from by other people, he doesn't stand for nothing in his websites. But he doesn't stand for anything either. I don't know that makes zero sense. It makes all the sense when you consider he still hasn't given any specific legislation. Right now, he's just said, okay, I believe that they have a right to health insurance that people can afford. Federal health crack has flaws, but it was good. Representative of Congress should be working together to build the progress, fix what isn't working, make the law better. Said Republicans are trying to take health insurance away with no plan to replace it. Now costs are going to go up. It's unacceptable in a fellow leadership. Okay, so instead of giving his own position what he would do to fight it, he's just like, okay, Republicans are bad. Affordable health care was bad, but not really. 
Now, Republican leaders are not allowed on a vote in a bipartisan common sense effort to strengthen the ACA and stabilize the markets. Again, we're all going on with this markets. Health insurance should not be... Health care should not be a market. Okay? That's not a market. I hate re the reference to that. Because it, it assumes that people's health is up for sale. That's what it assumes. That's what a market is. Something you buy and sell goods. That makes health care a good in that case. Healthcare is not a good. Healthcare should be provided. Healthcare should be guaranteed. Health should be guaranteed. Not health you can afford. Uh, took the threat of a government shutdown for parties to come together and fund CHIP. <laughs> not that the Democrats didn't try, but they didn't really try hard enough. And they didn't even they didn't even shut the government down over chip. They shut the government down over DACA. And the Republicans said, "Hey, we'll give you chip." And then the Democrats went, "Okay." God damn! Don't even get history right. Something they had ignored for months while the program was forced to survive on week-to-week -week bailouts. That was all over DACA anyway. These legislative failures show what is wrong with status quo in Washington. I will work with anyone from either party who wants to help people with pre-existing conditions. Both parties said, yeah, we'll do pre-existing conditions. Improve the quality of care. Again, it's not necessarily the quality of our care that implies doctors work. It's the cost. And reduce premiums, out-of-pocket costs, and prescription drug prices. By doing what? There are ideas out there. Pick which one you are for and tell me which one you are for. They have these ideas out there. They exist. Tell me which one you're for now. That way I know what I'm voting for. Of course, I'm not there, so DNC has asked me to give you money. Tell me which one you're for now. You're not. You've told me which one you want. You've said you've referred to health care as markets in a positive way, and you've said health insurance you can afford, and you have defended the ACA. I know what side you're on. Not mine. Protecting Medicare and Social Security. Within 12 hours of giving away our tax dollars, Speaker Paul Ryan announced he would try to pay for it by coming after Medicare. Social okay, yeah, he's right. So essentially he's pointing out, since Republicans cut taxes, they're going to come after it. They're going to come after our social safety net. We know this. They call it entitlement reform, but make no mistake. This is just Washington taking, talking for taking. The money you paid and using to cover the dollars you added to the debt. That's right. It's not right, and I will fight every attempt to break the promises. Okay, uh, sorry. <laughs> I read that weird in my head. It's not right, and I will fight every attempt to break the promises we made to our senior citizens, work families, and children. And? <laughs> the attacks will still come if you don't do nothing about it to make it better. Of course, he doesn't stand for that. He just, he's basically saying, I'll vote no on all cuts. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Releasing students from lifetime debt traps. Okay, uh, quantitative easing? Uh, just erasing the debt? Okay, so, so these are, when I, when I see these things, these are the things I want. I want to completely erase the debt and make colleges tuition and debt free. That's what I stand for. We need to reform our student loan system, which right now forces too many students into a lifetime debt trap. If you want to go to college or get a post-secondary education, you should be able to do that without taking a decade's worth of debt. Correct. How are you going to do that? 
Too many people of our district are already stuck with interest payment that can afford at a time when they should be buying houses, saving the money, and becoming financially independent. Okay, I agree. That shouldn't be a second paragraph. We need to allow people to refinance their student loan. God damn it. Just as we do with corporations and our credit card holders, and I believe we should let people pay at least some portion of their student loan with pre-tax dollars. speechless that doesn't solve the problem all you're saying is let's lower the payments by extending the time that we owe them that's what that that's what refinancing is i also support programs that help people pay back their loans when they take important public service jobs in underserved communities and underpopulated professions okay you support it but you're not saying you vote for it some of those programs exist for certain disciplines, but I'll work to expand them. Okay, okay. Into what ones? If you want to use your education to serve the public and help meet an utterly public need, the government should help you pay back the cost of the education. Which ones? You stand for nothing! <coughs> Moving on to the next one. <laughs> Unions. Each one of these sub each one of these are getting smaller. I support unions and proud to be endorsed by the AFLCIO. Basically, if you're a Democrat, you get supported by the AFLCIO. I believe that all workers have a right to organize and bargain collectively for better wages, blah, 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 blah. I know that when unions do the work, it gets done on time and on budget. Okay. Union members in our district can count on me to be the most effective ally they have in protecting their rights, support prevailing wages and project labor agreements, and defeat the ideological agreements who want to put unions out of existence. Fighting to protect. That means keeping it as it is. It doesn't mean fighting to expand. Fighting to protect is different than fighting to expand. This is why I can't stand these people. It's coded language for meaning I'm not going to do anything. Modern energy development. Oh, this ought to be the fun one. Oh, by the way, he didn't he didn't really mention anything that would help out unions, like getting rid of wrecked work laws. Just saying. Modern energy development. I support robust and responsible energy development. Natural gas extraction is creating... God damn it, that's fracking! Is creating and supporting a lot of good middle-class jobs and reason. And I want more of those jobs! What the fuck? No! 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 You don't talk about... so. I just quickly read that. That doesn't... That doesn't mean anything. He doesn't. God damn it. He supports fracking. He supports fracking. He doesn't support expanding union power. He doesn't support debt free college. He doesn't support expanding Medicare Social Security. He wants to make the ACA a thing again. No, that's that's as far as he goes with it. He doesn't talk about what jobs or infrastructure, just that he'll invest in it. And his taking immediate action to fight the heron crashes relies upon punishment, not fixing the system. This guy stands for nothing. And I don't like him. Now, the question is, would I vote for him if I were in Pennsylvania? Next tabs are volunteer and vote. So the question now is, 
I were in Pennsylvania, would I vote for him? Just because he's a Democrat. The real question is, is there a third party running? If there was a Green candidate, I would vote for the Green candidate. Although there was a hit piece on Green candidates that I read today. I would vote for a Green candidate over this guy. I, I, I know I'd lose. I know I'd be demonized. But reading that stuff just demoralized me. That being said, if it's, if it's just the two options you're given, Democrat or Republican, who would I vote for? You notice it's taken me a while to figure that out. The Republican is worse than the Democrat. That is true. If there's no third party option, I would have to vote for the Democrat on the understanding that this Democrat does not represent me. This is why people don't vote. There's nothing to vote for. You're going to get... The only thing you're doing here is literally just evading the Republicans. You're trying to weaken their power in this case. But when you weaken their power and replace it with spineless, you're going to get 2009 all over again. That's, and when you get 2009 all over again, history's going to repeat itself. You have to replace the hard right-wingers with hard left-wingers. You have to have that pendulum swing in the other direction. And the DNC and otherwise corporate Democrats are this big, big obstacle that are keeping that pendulum to go to the middle. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep it in the middle. Now, of course, the DNC block is actually on the right side of the middle, so it's center-right. That's where they're trying to hit it. And, of course, it's going to hit it with all the fervor of coming from the far right. It's going to hit it and immediately bounce back up to the far right. Same, same thing that happened over the past 10 years. 15. Same thing. Connor Lamb stands for nothing. If he won, there's no difference. If the blue wave is that, we're not going to get what we want as progressives. And that completes this dark day. I hope yours is better. And I'll see you next time.